Hello, friends. It's M. So I wanted to do a disclaimer real quick. I live down south. We are currently entering our first pollen season. Um, we have like 37 seasons down here, but and I don't even know which one it is because we have like yellow pollen, green pollen, red pollen, white pollen. I I don't know. So my voice is a little funky not sick, don't have anything weird, literally, I live in the South. So, let's get into today's episode. So, today's episode is about the movie Children of Men. So, the plot of this, first off, this was originally a book, um, which I did not know, and I'm upset that I didn't know that um, because I'm usually that person that loves to read a book before I see a movie so I can be filled with hate and rage for how they fucked up uh, the movie. So that being said, Children of Men is a book. But the movie, um, let's get into the plot of the movie real quick. So it's the year 2027. It's been about 18 years of total human infertility. So across the board, across the whole entire world. Um, that has brought war and a uh, like a global Great Depression. Um, and basically the world is sort of collapsing. The UK um, is one of the few like remaining countries or nations that's left that has what you can consider a quote-unquote government, uh, but they are in their own. It's not. It's not like peachy keen. A lot of refugees are trying to get into the UK, escaping war-torn countries like refugees do, um, and the UK has become kind of a, a police state. So they arrest a lot of uh, immigrants and imprison them and execute them. It's terrible. So uh, the lead character is Theo. He's a former, I guess, activist of some kind. Um, He now works for the government. I I believe he works for like the Ministry of Environmental something something. Um, He gets kidnapped by this sort of group called the Fishes. It ends up being just his wife's group. Um, whom he's estranged with. Um, I guess they had a kid, and the kid died during one of the flu pandemics, which was in 2008 in the movie. And they haven't been able to get their shit together since. Uh, His wife, Julian, offers him up some money, saying, I need help getting this girl across the border. Um, She's super important. I need you to go hit up your cousin for papers. So... She's like, I'll pay you. I know you're you're having money issues, and he's like, excuse me, um, which I I don't I don't get. I feel like everyone's having money issues. So, what his stem from? I have no idea. Um, I do notice that he drinks a lot. He smokes. He seems kind of cynical um, all the time. Either way, he hits up his cousin, and he's like, hey, I need to. Uh, get this girl that I love over here and his cousin helps him out. His cousin is like some weird minister of something like for his stolen art or something like that. At some point you see in his house, which is very elaborate, the statue of David, but it has a light blown off. Um, so 
clearly he's living high on the hog, whereas his cousin is just crunching numbers. So at some point, at the beginning of the movie, it's, it starts off with like the youngest person in the world dies. Um, I guess they were stabbed and everyone's like in a tizzy because uh, human infertility is a huge problem. Babies are not being made. So his wife hits him up, says, can you help me? He says, all right. Ends up getting uh, attacked by this other group. You end up finding it's the fishes who wanted to kill his wife. She dies. Finds out that the girl that he's helping, Key, is actually pregnant. So he realizes there's this elaborate plot by the fishes to sort of use the baby for like a political scheme as part of this massive revolution that's happening. He wants to get her over to the human project uh, ship, the Tomorrow, which I guess is a ship that's sort of just docked out in the ocean that's doing studies and research to fix the problem with uh, infertility. So he kind of goes through this whole thing where he has to smuggle her out, friends of his are killed, so on and so forth. Um, and it's a very elaborate, um, sort of action-packed kind of movie at times. It's very extreme. Um, but what I wanted to talk about, besides the fact that if you haven't seen it, you should probably go see it because you have no idea what I'm talking about. But what I really wanted to talk about was some of the things that lead up to this sort of dystopian society. So when you're looking at reasons that a society would end up like this, their reasoning is um, human infertility. In the book, I found out, uh, which I haven't read yet, I was just reading some snippets, the infertility problem is actually blamed on the men. In the movie, it's blamed on the women. Infertility is infertility, and you shouldn't be a dick and blame anyone. Like, especially if it's like a worldwide problem. So then I started looking up sort of infertility rates, because I remember not too long ago, there was this whole big thing about how during COVID, we had declining births. And I, and I don't know if that was just from people being like, I don't really want to have kids during a pandemic. Maybe it was definitely one of those things where it was like, oh, we should probably chill out with that. Um, I did look up some data sheets on uh, declining fertility rates, and, and it's it's very basic stuff. We're not going to get into the weeds on this one. So um, basically what it says is that in high-income countries, fertility rates of women of all age groups have declined pretty steadily since 1950. Um, in low-income groups, fertility rates are steadily declining in all groups as well. So India is also projected to have the greatest population increase between 2021 and 2050. China, Thailand, and Ukraine are among like 39 countries and territory, uh, territories that are projected to have much smaller populations by 2050. Now, it used to be, now the problem with that statement is this, is that it used to be that in high income countries, people could get more treatments and kind of skirt around uh, infertility. And not that that's something that it's easy for any woman who's gone through IVF or any of those other things. Um, and it's, it's expensive. But in poorer countries, more likely, if you can't have children, you just can't have children. You're probably not going to try to find a way. I mean, you're trying to find ways to eat. Um, 
you know, and here and in other developed nations where we have higher incomes, we have more choices. So that's something to look at as well. Will infertility affect us as much as it did in the movie? Probably not. Although when you have to look at it from that point of view of, I believe Elon Musk had said uh, something along the lines of, we don't have enough workers, um, we're going to be in for a shit show. I kind of understand that more now, especially since we just have more stuff, as opposed to if you would have said this during like, you know, the middle ages, people would have just been like, okay. But now that we all have cars and things and, you know, life isn't as simple and also clearly not as hard as it used to be back then, I think people freak out when they hear about infertility rates um, because life as we know it could kind of have a dramatic shift um, if we couldn't reproduce. So I like movies like this in terms of like a dystopian society because it makes you think of the worst that could happen. You know, if you don't know what a utopian society is, it's like an ideal place. Uh, Thomas More wrote a whole, well, he wrote Utopia. Um, basically where everything is fantastic and we figured it all out and it's, you know, all of our needs are met, but there's usually some kind of underlying thing in that, in a utopian um, environment. Everything's not always perfect. Like if you ever saw Logan's Run, the movie, another great movie that I'll be doing. Um, there's always some kind of thing that's hidden. Um, one person's utopia is another person's dystopia. So a dystopia is just a hypothetical or imaginary society. Um, it's characterized by having elements that are completely opposite of what a utopia is. So it's a place where humanity is, is dehumanized and people live in fear. Um, I did find a really great website on um, the Miami-Dade College uh, learning resources. I'll put that link in the, uh, in the bio for um, not only what a dystopian society is, but they have a list of like dystopian novels, graphic novels, movies. It's really cool because there's definitely some novels I've never heard of that I'm going to have to read. Um, and, you know, I mean, most of the movies I've seen, but a lot of the novels, um, I had no idea. Like for one, my favorite, one of my favorite books of all time is A Wrinkle in Time. It's listed as a dystopian um, book and I hadn't thought of it that way. Maybe because I read that when I was so young, um, I just didn't look at it like that. So now I feel like I want to sort of reread it with that in the back of my mind, like, oh shit, this is, this is a, a dystopian book. But, um, so let's go over some of the characteristics of what a dystopian society is because they play into the movie quite a bit. So um, there's usually a lot of propaganda and it's used to control citizens. Um, you know, information, independent thought, freedom is restricted. You see that a lot in the movie whenever he's on the bus or when he wakes up in the morning, there's like these weird ads that play about like um, turning in your neighbors if they're illegals and like this thing where you can do assisted suicide to kind of take the pressures of helping you survive off of society. So like they, they mail out these kits, which 
was funny because when they did that and the guy was talking about the kit that he got in the mail, I was like, oh my God, like the COVID test. And it was just like, it was just a little too much. But I mean, I get it. It's not like they sent us, you know, um, self-harming kids. They sent us whatever, but the government sent it. Um, usually there's a figurehead or a concept that's worshipped by society. That concept would be young people. Um, they're under constant surveillance. That seems to be pretty legit. Um, they have a fear of the outside world, which is why people are freaking out about immigrants. Um, they live in a dehumanized state. And you can see that because there's, there's definitely lines in the sand there between who has money and those who don't, who live in like these horrible rubbles. Um, you know, the natural world is banished and and distrusted meaning like and you can see that because like the world is sort of in ruins so they they kind of do these extra things to compensate for it it's kind of like when you think of um people who are really into uh not video games but the oh virtual reality you know where you put the headset on and it's like okay but you could go outside although i've always wanted to try it i think it'd be pretty cool but um there is an actual reality but I think you're gonna find more and more that if things sort of keep getting worse that people are going to sort of rely on virtual reality to compensate for our reality being kind of shitty citizens have to conform to uniform expectations and uh, it's the illusion of, of a perfect world so now we're gonna get into the types of dystopian controls. There's corporate control where like, you know, there's like one mass corporation that controls everything. That's not the case. This one is bureaucratic control. So red tape, regulations, um, things like that. And you see that with when people have to just get papers to cross over. Um, technology control. And you see that through they have crazy computer systems and like the news is always playing when they think people need to see it. And uh, then the last one will be philosophical or religious control. You don't really see that in this. What you do see is a lot of cults and like extremists. Anytime you get into like a, a plague or end of the world stuff, there's always people who come out and they start, you know, getting up on the soapbox and oh, the world, the, the end is extremely nigh and all that good stuff. Um, so mostly we're doing with uh, the government control. So in these movies, there's always this protagonist, this this person that we're kind of seeing things through. And that person often feels you know, trapped, questions the political systems. And you see that when he's talking to his friend Jasper, they have these sort of back and forths, um, believes or feels that something is terribly wrong with the society they live in. And they help us see that through them. So when I was looking at this movie, there isn't a lot in terms of knowing his background other than he used to be a um, activist. And it's been going on for 18 years. So we know that things have been kind of shitty. You don't see them eating huge amounts of meals. You do kind of get the gist that maybe like vegetables and things are much more prevalent than things like meat. Um, 
and the people who are poor are definitely poor. They're not eating well. Um, in terms of exercise, you're not seeing people going out for jogs and things like that. I think it's amazing that in this movie at all, people are going to work. But also I feel like a lot of us felt that with this past pandemic where people were dying, we were seeing a lot of really scary shit and we still had to clock in. And yet we did it. You know, we didn't just give up hope. I guess there's always that thing about at least you have something to do, you know, and you still have bills to pay. It's, you know, um, we still have student loans and dumb shit, you know, like we still have, even though the world is kind of on fire, we still have to do those things. Um, so I kind of had to break this down a little bit differently. Um, you know, I always tell you guys to have a good base of, of fitness and nutrition, you know, eat your vegetables, eat the way that's healthy for you, um, go for walks, things like that, find something that you really like. But I had to look at this a little bit differently. So I'm going to actually compare this movie to training for an obstacle race. So like mud runs, specifically the Spartan race that has a lot more training plans available on the internet to look at. So what we're going to do is we're going to compare this movie to a Spartan race. Hello friends, it's Em. So I wanted to do a disclaimer real quick. I live down south. We are currently entering our first pollen season. Um, we have like 37 seasons down here, but and I don't even know which one it is because we have like yellow pollen, green pollen, red pollen, white pollen. I, I don't know. So my voice is a little funky not sick, don't have anything weird, literally, I live in the South. So let's get into today's episode. So today's episode is about the movie Children of Men. So the plot of this, first off, this was originally a book, um, which I did not know. And I'm upset that I didn't know that um, because I'm usually that person that loves to read a book before I see a movie so I can be filled with hate and rage for how they fucked up uh, the movie. So that being said, Children of Men is a book. But the movie, um, let's get into the plot of the movie real quick. So it's the year 2027. It's been about 18 years of total human infertility. So across the board, across the whole entire world. Um, that has brought war and a, uh, like a global Great Depression. Um, and basically, the world is sort of collapsing. The UK um, is one of the few like remaining countries or nations that's left that has what you can consider a quote-unquote government, uh, but they are in their own. It's not It's not like peachy keen. A lot of refugees are trying to get into the UK, escaping war-torn countries like refugees do, um, and the UK has become kind of a, a police state. So they arrest a lot of uh, immigrants and imprison them and execute them. It's terrible. So uh, the lead character is Theo. He's a former, I guess, activist of some kind. Um, 
he now works for the government. I, I believe he works for like the Ministry of Environmental something something. Um, he gets kidnapped by this sort of group called the Fishes. It ends up being just his wife's group, um, whom he's estranged with. Um, I guess they had a kid, and the kid died during one of the flu pandemics, which was in 2008 in the movie. And they haven't been able to get their shit together since. Uh, his wife, Julian, offers him up some money, saying, I need help getting this girl across the border. Um, she's super important. I need you to go hit up your cousin for papers. So she's like, I'll pay you. I know you're, you're having money issues. And he's like, excuse me? Um, which I, I don't, I don't get, I feel like everyone's having money issues. So what his stem from, I have no idea. Um, I do notice that he drinks a lot, smokes, he seems kind of cynical, um, all the time. Either way, he hits up his cousin and he's like, Hey, I need to, uh, get this girl that I love over here and his cousin helps him out his cousin is like some weird minister of something like for his stolen art or something like that at some point you see in his house which is very elaborate the statue of david but it has a light blown off um so clearly he's living high on the hog whereas his cousin is just crunching numbers so at some point, the beginning of the movie, it's, it starts off with, like, the youngest person in the world dies. Um, I guess they were stabbed. And everyone's, like, in a tizzy because uh, human infertility is a huge problem. Babies are not being made. So his wife hits him up, says, can you help me? He says, all right. Ends up getting... Uh, attacked by this other group. You end up finding it's the fishes who wanted to kill his wife. She dies. Finds out the girl that he's helping, Key, is actually pregnant. So he realizes there's this elaborate plot by the fishes to sort of use the baby for like a political scheme as part of this massive revolution that's happening. He wants to get her over to the human project a ship, the Tomorrow, which I guess is a ship that's sort of just docked out in the ocean that's doing studies and research to fix the problem with uh, infertility. So he kind of goes through this whole thing where he has to smuggle her out, friends of his are killed, so on and so forth. Um, and it's a very elaborate, um, sort of action-packed kind of movie at times. It's very extreme. Um, but what I wanted to talk about, besides the fact that if you haven't seen it, you should probably go see it because you have no idea what I'm talking about. But what I really wanted to talk about was some of the things that lead up to this sort of dystopian society. So when you're looking at reasons that a society would end up like this, their reasoning is um, human infertility. In the book, I found out, uh, which I haven't read yet, I was just reading some snippets, the infertility problem is actually blamed on the men. In the movie, it's blamed on the women. Infertility is infertility, and you shouldn't be a dick and blame anyone. Like, especially if it's like a worldwide problem. So then I started looking up sort of infertility rates, because I remember not too long ago, 
there was this whole big thing about how during COVID, we had declining births. And I, and I don't know if that was just from people being like, I don't really want to have kids during a pandemic. Maybe it was definitely one of those things where it was like, oh, we should probably chill out with that. Um, I did look up some data sheets on uh, declining fertility rates, and, and it's it's very basic stuff. We're not going to get into the weeds on this one. So um, basically what it says is that in high-income countries, fertility rates of women of all age groups have declined pretty steadily since 1950. Um, in low-income groups, fertility rates are steadily declining in all groups as well. So India is also projected to have the greatest population increase between 2021 and 2050. China, Thailand, and Ukraine are among like 39 countries and uh, territories that are projected to have much smaller populations by 2050. Now, it used to be, now the problem with that statement is this, is that it used to be that in high-income countries, people could get more treatments and kind of skirt around uh, infertility. And not that that's something that it's easy for any woman who's gone through IVF or any of those other things. Um, and it's, it's expensive. But in poorer countries, more likely, if you can't have children, you just can't have children. You're probably not going to try to find a way. I mean, you're trying to find ways to eat. Um, you know, and here and in other developed nations where we have higher incomes, we have more choices. So that's something to look at as well. Will infertility affect us as much as it did in the movie? Probably not. Although when you have to look at it from that point of view of, I believe Elon Musk had said uh, something along the lines of, we don't have enough workers, um, we're going to be in for a shit show. I kind of understand that more now, especially since we just have more stuff, as opposed to if you would have said this during like, you know, the Middle Ages, people would have just been like, okay. But now that we all have cars and things and, you know, life isn't as simple and also clearly not as hard as it used to be back then, I think people freak out when they hear about infertility rates um, because life as we know it could kind of have a dramatic shift um, if we couldn't reproduce. So... I like movies like this in terms of like a dystopian society because it makes you think of the worst that could happen. You know, if you don't know what a utopian society is, it's like an ideal place. Uh, Thomas More wrote a whole, well, he wrote Utopia. Um, basically where everything is fantastic and we figured it all out and it's, you know, all of our needs are met, but there's usually some kind of underlying thing in that in a utopian um, environment, everything's not always perfect. Like if you ever saw Logan's Run, the movie, another great movie that I'll be doing, um, there's always some kind of thing that's hidden. Um, one person's utopia is another person's dystopia. So a dystopia is just a hypothetical or imaginary society. Um, it's characterized by having elements that are completely opposite of what a utopia is. So it's a place where humanity is, is dehumanized and people live in fear. Um, I did find a really great website on um, 
the Miami-Dade College uh, learning resources. I'll put that link in the uh, in the bio for um, not only what a dystopian society is, but they have a list of like dystopian novels, graphic novels, movies. It's really cool because there's definitely some novels I've never heard of that I'm going to have to read. Um, and, you know, I mean, most of the movies I've seen, but a lot of the novels, um, I had no idea. Like for one, my favorite, one of my favorite books of all time is A Wrinkle in Time. It's listed as a dystopian um, book and I hadn't thought of it that way. Maybe because I read that when I was so young, um, I just didn't look at it like that. So now I feel like I want to sort of reread it with that in the back of my mind, like, oh shit, this is, this is a, a dystopian book. But, um, so let's go over some of the characteristics of what a dystopian society is, because they play into the movie quite a bit. So, um, there's usually a lot of propaganda and it's used to control citizens. Um, you know, information, independent thought, freedom is restricted. You see that a lot in the movie whenever he's on the bus or when he wakes up in the morning, there's like these weird ads that play about like um, turning in your neighbors if they're illegals and like um, this thing where you can do assisted suicide to kind of take the pressures of helping you survive off of society. So like they, they mail out these kits, which was funny because when they did that and the guy was talking about the kit that he got in the mail, I was like, oh my God, like the COVID test. And it was just like, it was just a little too much, but I mean, I get it. It's not like they sent us, you know, um, self-harming kids. They sent us whatever, but the government sent it. Um, usually there's a figurehead or a concept that's worshiped by society. That concept would be young people. Um, they're under constant surveillance. That seems to be pretty legit. Um, they have a fear of the outside world, which is why people are freaking out about immigrants. Um, they live in a dehumanized state. And you can see that because there's, there's definitely lines in the sand there between who has money and those who don't, who live in like these horrible rubbles. Um, you know, the natural world is banished and, and distrusted, meaning like, and you can see that because like the world is sort of in ruins. So they, they kind of do these extra things to compensate for it. It's kind of like when you think of, um, people who are really into, uh, not video games, but the, oh, virtual reality, you know, where you put the headset on and it's like, okay, but you could go outside. Although I've always wanted to try it. I think it'd be pretty cool, but, um, there is an actual reality, but I think you're going to find more and more that if things sort of keep getting worse, that people are going to sort of rely on virtual reality to compensate for our reality being kind of shitty. Citizens have to conform to uniform expectations and, uh, it's the illusion of, of a perfect world. So now we're going to get into the types of dystopian controls. There's corporate control where like, you know, there's like one mass corporation that controls everything. That's not the case. This one is bureaucratic control. So red tape, regulations, um, things like that. And you see that with when people have to just get papers to cross over, um, technology control. And you see that through 
they have crazy computer systems and like the news is always playing when they think people need to see it. And uh, then the last one will be philosophical or religious control. You don't really see that in this. What you do see is a lot of cults and like extremists. Anytime you get into like a, a plague or end of the world stuff, there's always people who come out and they start, you know, getting up on the soapbox and oh, the world, the, the end is extremely nigh and all that good stuff. Um, so mostly we're doing with uh, the government control. So in these movies, there's always this protagonist, this this person that we're kind of seeing things through. And that person often feels you know, trapped, questions the political systems. And you see that when he's talking to his friend Jasper, they have these sort of back and forths. Um, believes or feels that something is terribly wrong with the society they live in. And they help us see that through them. So when I was looking at this movie, there isn't a lot in terms of knowing his background other than he used to be a um, activist. And it's been going on for 18 years. So we know that things have been kind of shitty. You don't see them eating huge amounts of meals. You do kind of get the gist that maybe like vegetables and things are much more prevalent than things like meat. Um, and the people who are poor are definitely poor. They're not eating well. Um, in terms of exercise, you're not seeing people going out for jogs and things like that. I think it's amazing that in this movie at all, people are going to work. But also I feel like a lot of us felt that with this past pandemic where people were dying we were seeing a lot of really scary shit and we still had to clock in. And yet we did it. You know, we didn't just give up hope. I guess there's always that thing about at least you have something to do, you know, and you still have bills to pay. It's, you know, um, we still have student loans and dumb shit, you know, like we still have, even though the world is kind of on fire, we still have to do those things. Um, so I kind of had to break this down a little bit differently. Um, you know, I always tell you guys to have a good base of, of fitness and nutrition. You know, eat your vegetables, eat the way that's healthy for you, um, go for walks, things like that, find something that you really like. But I had to look at this a little bit differently. So I'm going to actually compare this movie to training for an obstacle race. So like mud runs, specifically the Spartan race, that has a lot more training plans available on the internet to look at. So what we're going to do is we're going to compare this movie to a Spartan race. 